does not receive the things of the Spirit. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So how can, that, how can you get this spiritually discerned bit? How can you get it? It says this, I has not seen nor ear heard. So that's the physical bit, isn't it? We explore our physical world with our senses. No eye has seen nor ear heard. Nor mind has conceived. No matter how you try to think it through, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Well, thankfully, it doesn't end there. It says, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Has he revealed it to you? That was a bit of a week, yes, wasn't it? <laughs> I hope it's more than that. Yes, because we are in Christ. So there's plenty of evidence. We're not going to look at all the evidence. You look at the evidence. You like to look at that. The events, and again, like the Christmas story, it's good to reread it. It's been great this morning to see the children go through the story. Absolutely brilliant. It's great working with children, isn't it, Rachel, and all those that do. Look, I'm only 23. Look what it's done to me. <laughs> what? Those familiar passages of Scripture remind us, encourage us, challenge us, and bless us. And we had a great service here as well on Good Friday evening. Such a wonderful, beautiful service it was. Passing on that information to that younger generation. I said to a year 10 student the other day, what are you doing for Easter? It was an innocent question. I just meant like, are you going to Alton Towers or Dudley Zoo or somewhere exotic like that? It was quite an innocuous question really and I was quite surprised at the answer. She says, I don't celebrate Easter. Oh, all right then. Okay. Although that was really sad. On the BBC News this week, you may have noticed the footage where they were reporting on the March of Witness through Birmingham. I thought, that was great, and it was quite a few minutes as well that they actually gave some airtime to the Easter story. And I've given, we've given our aunt niece, she's six, Leah, uh, one of Hazel's eggs. That egg that I took off you last week, she's got that. Uh, anyone had one of those real Easter eggs? The real Easter egg, yeah, quite a few people, yeah. And inside, it's got the little bit of paper it, with the Easter story on it. And that story is going into that home. It's great. Because, folks, believe me, they're not hearing the Christmas story. They're not hearing the Easter story in school so much these days. So it's good to remind us of the evidence and the events, but also the evil. There's so much evil in the world today, we say. Visible on our news, TV social media, the terrorism that we've seen recently in Brussels as well. And we come even close to home. And just yesterday in the newspaper, you may have read that about a, a Muslim shopkeeper murdered by another Muslim. Why? Because he'd sent messages of Happy Easter to his Christian friends. What a world that we're living in. All of that evil, and yet not as concentrated as that point in time when there was darkness over all the land and Jesus was abandoned by his father. And even to the extent of offering Jesus, as we've heard, some vinegar on a sponge. Anybody ever been to Carleon? It's in Wales, actually. It sounds posh, but it's just in Wales. That's all. Carleon. Well, when the Romans came, I'm not a historian, by the way, so if you are, and I've got it wrong, uh, 
when the Romans came and they got these fortresses, you see, Chester in the north, because that was a port at that time, and Carleon in the south near Newport. And uh, we uh, visited there and looked at the old ruins and so on. And something I read there sort of astounded me, really, and dismayed me. And that was uh, about a sponge. And, uh, well, let's just say that the Roman soldiers, they didn't have toilet paper. So it sort of brings an, an extra kind of depth and dimension to being offered vinegar on a sponge. The evil surrounding all of that story. How might we have behaved? If we had been there, how might we have been uh, behaved? We may plan for a situation, and we do, don't we? How we might behave in a certain situation, and when we have to go for an interview and so on. But until you're there and you're under the pressure of it, you don't really know how that you're going to behave. Peter said, didn't he? Not me, Lord, I, I won't deny you. See, circumstances can change, can't they? And cause our behaviour to be different. Children, have you seen your parents that they're shouting at you, aren't they? And they're really giving it some. And then the phone rings and they pick it up and they go, Hello, Wartle 345. <laughs> See, circumstances can change us. What I just want to share with you a little bit as well this morning is something that we're doing the other Sunday evening and we were sharing what we felt God was saying to us and prophetic insight and so on. And uh, we brought this uh, to, to the uh, Sunday night uh, uh, situation. Your behaviour can change. Have you ever had white coat syndrome? You know what it is? You might be having it, you don't know what it is. <laughs> white coat syndrome. When you go to the doctors and you've got to have an injection, or you've got to have your hair looked at, or something like that. And it apparently can change your behaviour. Now, I had to go for this little minor procedure, and the nurse says to me, your blood pressure's sky high. And I said, I feel calm. <laughs> and I, I thought I was, but she says, your blood pressure's really high. Unfortunately, it wasn't high enough to stop me having the procedure, but uh, <laughs> nevertheless... But a white coat, you see, will go in and it'll put 20-somethings on, Rachel, whatever it is, 20-somethings up higher than it ought to be. So the white coat affects your behaviour. And some sports people in here might get white lion syndrome. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Have you ever had white lion syndrome? That when you step into the field of play, suddenly your character changes. And you become this monster of competitiveness and so on. Uh, Justin used to say to me, you're a dirty player, you are. That was a long time ago. And I was at the end of my career and I was getting a bit slow. That's all. I'd like to call it tenacious, but there you go. But your behavior changes, you see. The white coat and the white line. It says in Revelation, to him who overcomes, I will give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. And we all received on that Sunday evening a white stone just as a reminder. If we overcome, that we have this white stone with a new name written on it. It was given to uh, sports people, athletes particularly, as a kind of token to get into the celebration party. And we will receive a white stone with a new name on it. If you were to change your name... What would you call yourself? Are you happy with your name? You're happy with it. It sort of suits you. What about if you were to change your name? Now, gentlemen, I'd like you all to imagine that... You, I hope there's nobody named Ray in here. The gentleman, you're all named Ray, okay? And the lady's your name, Francis, with an E. 
Okay, Ray and Francis. Okay. Now, would that change the way you behaved? Would that change other people's behaviour towards you? I wonder. So I thought it'd be a nice little exercise this morning. What about if we renamed our three leaders? Are you okay for that? Well, you set yourselves up for these sort of things, don't you, really? So here we go. Here are the three, the three new names. Okay. So uh, Kevin, I thought we would rename Kevin. Where's Kevin gone to? Yeah, we'd rename Kevin is Gabriel. Because we all know he's an angel, isn't he? angel. So Kevin is Gabriel. Uh, it means God is my strength. So that would be a good name to have, wouldn't it? Okay. Now, for Rachel, I thought Olive would be a really nice name, <laughs> Olive, so that we could have Catherine Jenkins and Olive Jenkins singing together. It would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Olive means peace, bringer of peace. Now, where's Joe? He's, he's, he's trembling. <laughs> so, for, for Joe, I thought, yeah, for Joe it would be Dave. <laughs> so, we got the Dave Clark 567. Okay, for anybody old enough, you see. The Dave Clark. And Dave means beloved friend, you see. Now, if we had Gabriel, Olive, and Dave in charge of us, would we relate to them differently? Would they behave differently? What we could say at the very least is, who now are the leaders, the elders of the church? Well, it's Gabriel, Olive and Dave, G-O-D for short, or God if you like. But in scripture, the names were given to reflect a new character and a new status in God. One commentator says this, that the new name is not a fresh name for himself, but a fresh revelation of God's name and nature, which is only known to the person who receives it. But that name and nature, because of the cross, is imputed, ascribed, given to us if we are in Christ. Well, that new name brings a change in our identity. And this is where I'd like one or two of the youngsters to uh, help out. So if you have any young people still awake and still getting over the effects of the chocolate boost with all the sugar. Now, I'm going to get uh, some to help me. Now, let me just show you what I'm going to get you to do. I've just got a special bag here, and in it are a selection of hats. Okay. Now... What I'd like you to do, if you're sort of primary school age, between, say, key stage two and three, say, if you're key stage two and three, that's five to 11, if you're working in old money, okay? Uh, what I'd like you to tell me, when I put the hat on, is who wears it, okay? Well, it's mine, really. When I went to Egypt, it was quite interesting, really, when we went to work at the youth camp in Egypt, because I was wearing this hat, and it was the same number as my age, so I thought that's quite uh, interesting. Who wears this kind of hat, would you say? Hands up, young people. That's oh, this young man here, sir. Yes. Um, Who? Me. Me? Yes. But what type of person? Uh, what type of person? Yeah, come on then, have another go. Anybody? Narrow it down, Zach. Explorer, yeah. Okay, would you like to come out and wear this for a sec? Would you mind? I know it'll spoil your hair with your quiff and all of that business, but <laughs> there you go. I think it'll suit you, actually. Could you come there? So get, get sort of settled in and stand over there. Okay. Oops, here we go. Okay, right. 
Uh, who, who wears this kind of hat? There we go. You haven't even seen it yet. You've got your hand up. Either. A farmer's. Would you like to wear this for us? Because you have lady farmers, don't you? Good girl. There you go. They're nice. Oh, that looks lovely, that does. Yeah. She looks lovely, don't worry about it. Come and stand by, Zach, over here. Okay, okay. Now, what about this one? Who wears this type? Have you got any youngsters over here? This is a bit too small these days, isn't it? Who wears this kind of hat? Yes, this one of the... Handicap. Who's handicap? Yes. <laughs> a little schoolboy. Could you come and impersonate us a little schoolboy? We'll pre pretend it's a pantomime, you know. And you're the principal boy or something. Oh, that suits you, yeah. Just imagine if you were made to wear those things these days and short trousers. We have to. Could you stand over there? That's great. Lovely. Okay. What about this? Now, this might not look much, but to be honest, it's one of the most <laughs> treasured hats in the bag because on a windy day, and you've got the washing out, you know, you just can't let your hair sort of go all over the place, can you really? You just need it. Who wears this? Your nan. Oh, isn't that lovely? Oh, could you wear this for us? Would you like to wear it for us? Go on. That's it. Your nan wears it. Okay, let's get that on there. Oh, don't spoil your hair because it's so beautiful, isn't it? Wow. Look at that. Oh, can you pull it up? You can pull it up. Oh, that's it. Are you going to come out for us as well? Yeah, come on. Come and stand there. Come on, stand by these. Okay, that's great. That's lovely. Doesn't she look lovely? Yeah, great. Okay, here we go. Uh, uh, uh. Now, this, listen, I want no abuse. <laughs> what? what's, what's up with, what's this, all this? Who wears this? Young man there. Wolves, do you want to come and wear it? Come on then. Hey, come on. There we go, come on. Right, you stand by Zach there. Whoa, look at that. Definitely. Got him in Dave, yeah. Look at that, yeah. Okay. Okay, let's see what we've got here. Okay, let's try a few more. Okay, who wears this? Right. Got it this time in one. Hey, there you go. All right, come on. Let's see, what have we got here? And what about this one? Uh, Mons, no, he don't wear it, does he? Yes, you're man there. Ooh. A Russian. Oh, excellent. Come wear this for us then, yeah? A Russian. Yes, well done. Look at that. Woo, you stand there. Look at these, aren't they brilliant? Okay, let's see what we've got here. Okay, let's have this one in here. There we go. Now, it is a hat. I know it looks a little bit odd. It looks a bit odd. Okay, now there's a hat in here, actually. Anybody like to know what it is? Let's see. There it is. There it is. That's older than me. <laughs> okay, who wears that kind of hat? I was going to bring the stick as well. <laughs> Children around. Yes, that young lady. Ooh! That's a big word. Come and wear it for us. A person who graduates. Well done. That could be you one day. I'm sure it will be. Let's put that on there. This goes like that. Oh, hang on. Let's see. I don't want to spoil your hair. 
If it comes off, you can put it back on, okay? You have to keep balanced on there. Okay, brilliant. A person who graduates. We've got all kinds of people here represented, haven't we? All kinds of identities. And we all have a kind of different identity from time to time, don't we? With different people, different places, and so on. We've got loads of different identities represented by the folks here. Now, I'll just uh, show one more. Let's have a look. But we won't actually be getting anyone to wear it because we've been learning about this over the last few days, haven't we? Is it Jesus wore the hat like this so that we could have our identity in him, in Christ? Whether you are a person who graduates, a cyclist, a schoolboy, a farmer, a lad, whatever it happens to be, even wolf supporters, you see, whatever it happens to be, our identity can be found in Jesus as we are in Christ. So we thank Jesus for what he has done, that we can have an identity in him. Shall we give these a round of applause? They've been really sporty, haven't they? Just put them on the floor there, folks. Just put them on the floor. That's great. Thank you. Well done. Okay. Excellent. So a new name, a name change, brings a change in identity, also a change in personality. One translation I like puts it like this. We have become a new person. All because of this resurrection story and what Jesus has done for us. We've become a new person. The old way of living has gone. And a new way of living has begun. For some the change is very dramatic and obvious. For others it is maybe rather more gradual. Even the Apostle Paul struggled with it. He said, you know, sometimes the good things I want to do, I, I just don't seem to do them. And the bad things I shouldn't do, somehow I end up doing them. So we're in good company. As your personality is changing to become like Jesus. David said, King David, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It's an ongoing process. Let's be supportive of each other. Now, it's so easy, isn't it, when you meet people so often and regularly to be judgmental rather than be supportive. You've seen those signs that they put out on the road, don't they? Men at work. Well, it should be people at work now, shouldn't it? People and men and women at work. Maybe we should carry a sign around on us. God at work. It's a work in progress. Just say to the person next to you, I'm a work in progress. And so perhaps we might be a little bit more forgiving of each other, realising that actually they're a work in progress and some are a little bit further along the way than others, but they're a work in progress. Psychologists tell us, and I'm not one again, but they tell us that your personality doesn't become stable till you're about 30. About 30. Before that, it's called temperament. <laughs> So when you're saying somebody's temperamental, we, we might apply it to a child, haven't we, really? Oh, they're temperamental. Because the mood is changing and changeable. We don't become stable, they say, with our personality until we're about 30. And maybe if that applied in a Christian sense as well, that we maybe are in a temperamental stage. Or have you matured to the stable personality 
change. Have you ever wondered where all the colours come from when the leaves turn in autumn? Where, are, where do they come from? Because they look green, don't they? And people go on holidays to look at the changing colours of the leaves. Well, I can tell you that the majority of that colour is already there. It's already there. You can't see those reds and oranges and yellows because it's masked by the green. And it's a bit of a tenuous analogy, but if the green of sin is taken away, there's a beautiful personality under there that's just waiting to come out as you become in Christ and more like him. And you know what as well? As the process happens of the green chlorophyll going away, these other colours appearing, other colours then actually synthesise. In other words, they start to develop and are made. And the character that the Lord is trying to develop in you, you may not perceive it yet. It'd be so, it, well, I'll never do that. I'll never be like that. You don't know. Because the Lord is working on you. You're a work in progress. And that personality is developing and being released. So as a new name brings a new identity and a new personality, but also comes with it a new authority. I'll just read you one or two verses of Scripture. This is from Isaiah. For the nations will see your righteousness and the kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. No longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate, but you will be called Hepzibah and your land Beulah. For the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married. See, a new name brings with it a new authority. Because of that new status, Beulah, married, connected to, in Christ. And your new status gives you authority. Step up to the plate in your new authority to pray against evil in our world, wider and more local. To pray for healthy bodies and minds. To pray into relationships and finances. To bring hope instead of despair. To pray into, with authority, over physical and material temptation. To give up. To pray against giving up. To pray against returning to old things. Peter said, didn't he? I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. It's easy to abdicate our responsibilities of our new name and status in God. So much talent in this place. We've seen it over the last few days again. And not just folks here, but... A whole, around the whole building really in all the days and weeks uh, that we've had of preparing for this weekend. So much talent. Use it or lose it is what it says. Thank you for all of those who've responded over the last few weeks on our Servant Heart series. It's been absolutely great. For those of you who've stepped up to make music. To those who've stepped up to make tea. To those who've stepped up to make clean. To those who've stepped up to make conversation. By ministering to our young people in particular and our children's work. Clear space. Clear some space in your daily life to meet with him on the Lord's day. If we don't use it, we will lose it. 
the Lord's day. We need to stand up and use it. Psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Is that what we say every Sunday? Well, in truth, maybe not. But in our spirit, hopefully so. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's our responsibility, the psalmist says, to seek the peace and prosperity of our city of Warsaw here. Could you join us? Could you join us regularly? Great to see so many here this morning. It'd be great to see you tonight as well. We have the international team taking part. It'd be really great to see you on a Sunday evening and come and make with us. Help us to move mountains with your God-given authority. Jesus didn't leave us where we were. We actually came and met us in our situation. One of my uh, favourite poems is this one, Five Ways to Kill a Man. What a title. <laughs> Five Ways to Kill a Man. Oh dear. There must be many more. It starts with Jesus. Comes through the Middle Ages to the First and Second World War and today. There are many cumbersome ways to kill a man. You can make him carry a plank of wood to the top of a hill and nail him to it. To do this properly, you need a crowd of people wearing sandals, a cock that crows, a cloak to dissect, a sponge, some vinegar, and one man to hammer the nails home. <laughs> or you can take a length of steel, shaped and chased in a traditional way, and attempt to pierce the metal cage he wears. But for this you need white horses, English trees, men with bows and arrows, at least two flags, a prince, and a castle to hold your banquet in. Dispensing with nobility, you may, if the wind allows, blow gas at him. But then you need a mile of mud sliced through with ditches. Not to mention black boots, bomb craters, more mud, a plague of rats, a dozen songs and some round hats made of steel. In an age of aeroplanes, you may fly miles above your victim and dispose of him by pressing one small switch. All you'll then require is an ocean to separate you, two systems of government, a nation's scientists, several factories, a psychopath, and land that no one needs for several years. These are, as I began, cumbersome ways to kill a man. Simpler, direct, and much more neat is to see that he is living somewhere at the start of the 21st century and leave him there. Well, Jesus didn't leave us there. We know the story so well. He didn't leave us there, but he came to where we were. He did what needed to be done so that we might be found in him. And as you read the resurrection story, you'll find that then is a commission. Rejoice in it, yes. Get swept along in it, yes. But there's a purpose as well. Go into all the world. Go and tell other people. Go into the city. Pray for the peace and the prosperity of the city. So I pray this Easter time as we think again of what Jesus has done with us, that we find ourselves in him. The old way of living is gone. The new way of living is come. But you are to work in progress. 
not to get disheartened, not to allow the enemy to creep back in and say, well, no, it's not for you. It's not for you. But you are in Christ, a work in progress to take this resurrection message to all of those around you. So we just pray before we have our final songs. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for what you've accomplished for us that we could never accomplish for ourselves. As we've considered again the events of the Easter story, pray that by your Holy Spirit we'll bring that revelation again of who you are that we might be found in you. That we might be continually being made into this new person that you want us to be. Help us by your spirit to take this message of hope to our family, our friends, our neighbours, colleagues and strangers. That he is risen and let it be evident that we are in Christ. For your name's sake. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys.